वेलकम टू सिंटॉक द सिंटॉकर्स अराउंड द टेबल टुडे डिस्कस द रोल ऑफ इंटरफेसेस विल थिंक अबाउट इंटरफेसेस वाइल लुकिंग फॉर कॉमन स्ट्रक्चरल और एब्स्ट्रैक्ट फीचर्स अक्रॉस दम इन अ वाइड रेंज ऑफ कॉन्टेक्ट्स आर ऑल इंटरफेसेस मेड ऑफ मैटर हाउ आर ह्यूमन मेड इंटरफेसेस डिफरेंट do skins self generate and why do different kinds of interactions need or lead to different kinds of interfaces how do humans interact with computers can there be interactions without interfaces how do interfaces get their shapes how are mouse and keyboard different must user interfaces be natural and what is the future of human made interfaces we are pleased and privileged to have three sin talkers with us here today dr shankar ghosh he is a physicist who dabbles with everyday phenomena professor philip palank he is a computer scientist who believes that computers should be at the service of humans and are tools for humans to use he is from toulouse in france and dr satyajit rath he is a physician who somewhat unusually thinks that biology is important including what humans do to each other shankar so why don't we set the ball rolling with you uh, you've thought about this for a few years what are interfaces for you what's your personal definition of uh, interfaces some physicists and as a student of physics the first interface that one comes across is a solid liquid or a liquid vapor interface hmm. and interfaces in this context is slightly abstract now look at this suppose you have a paper mm-hmm. and you have made half of the paper red and half of the paper blue hmm. now if you are inside the red region you're surrounded only by red particles round about you so everything about you is red if you're inside the blue region then you're surrounded only by blue particles around you right however as you go close to the the interface what you'd call as the interface what changes is basically your neighborhood the neighborhood so, it's a neighborhood concept it's a neighborhood you also have to remember that interfaces also live in a dimension which is lower than otherwise mm-hmm. a paper is a two dimensional object An so interface the interface is a one-dimensional object. Whether or not it's straight or okay. crooked, it's one-dimensional. It's a one-dimensional object. So you always stay in a dimension lower. Now you could have interfaces which are passive. For example, you know, a solid-liquid interface. But you know, it's difficult to define what that interface is. It's gradual because mm-hmm. the neighborhood is changing, not abruptly across one point to the other point, but slowly, gradually changing. But there are other places where it could be more, more uh, rapid. For example, suppose you break a solid. and then or you just have a solid and a gas right then the uh, then there are the different kinds of spaces then it suddenly drops right so your definition of interface is more so what is it when you say it suddenly drops so, what, so what? whatever you would say that what identifies something to be a solid or what identifies something to be a gas that parameter for example could be density here sure. let's put a density and if i plotted the density just across that line that one dimensional line if i'm plotting things thinking of things in two dimension if three dimension then it's a surface then density falls up 
probably across a very small distance. Mm-hmm. That to me is an interface. Now, this, and are you are you happy thinking of this across dimensions, Shankar? I mean, can it no, be n-dimensional? It doesn't have any dimensions. It doesn't. Uh, physical world lives in three dimensions. But you know, you this is an idea which you can generalize to any dimension. It doesn't matter what dimensionality you're talking about. Sure. So that's that's for me is the first encounter of interface that one has. Here, the interface is not playing any role. Okay, but you could have thought about interfaces where interfaces play a role. For example, the next interface that one comes across is when the interface, you know, after you have built an interface, so after you have, you have identified an interface, what an interface is, then you arbitrarily go about it and start building a wall across it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the wall is not an interface; it's some third that means another phase which you have incorporated by hand inside the system. And if you have done that, what would be the equivalent of a wall in a physical system? Well, what would be an equivalent of a wall? So, for example, suppose you had a suppose you had say, uh, I'll give you the simplest example. Suppose you had two water reservoirs, one which is at a higher potential, one which is a lower potential. Right. And you have connected it to the pipe. Right. There is no interface in the middle. Right. Okay. But suppose they put a valve in it. Right. Right. Immediately, the valve. No, solid liquid is one interface, but I can abstract the valve being just one one interface. I'll just talk talk of the valve as an interface, mm-hmm. and then the valve has a functionality now. Now the interface that I was talking to you earlier did not have a functionality. Mm-hmm. Now the valve has a functionality. It's it allows not abstract. It's not now abstract it's a physical anymore. entity right. which will actually allow water to move from one point to the other point. So it has some functionality. So either the interface could be an object which has no functionality, like it just happens. So if you have two phases which coexist. Or it could be an interface which comes because of some chemical reactions, or 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 you know a man which puts it inside something, and that would could have some functionality to it. So you know, you this is how I would have thought about interfaces. And you know, for for example, if you go to these solid liquid liquid gas kind of situations, and we think of the interface more physically, is there is in that sense is the interface a physical object or no no in that the physical it's not a physical object it's definitely not a it's physical it's not a physical object, object. it's an idea, it's it's, it's, it's a an idea it's a concept which you it's a construct, think about it's a hmm. there is no when once you put a physical identity then it's there's a third object which is inside it it's something else that you're doing to the system and satyajit in biological realms and living systems is are there are there situations where there are highly differentiated spaces but not really separated by a wall or a matter which acts as an interface of course we know that there are membranes and so on which are interfaces in the more conventional sense and we'll get to them but um and surely these kind of solid liquid interfaces exist in living systems as well so pr- presumably just this notion carries there or is there something problematic with that well it's interesting that uh, um um when Shankar was describing his idea of interface, he used the verb identify. Because in a biological sense, the idea of an interface is primarily connected to the idea of identity. What is on this side? What is on that side? So some inside-outside. It's an inside-outside problem, and in that sense, it it is truly an 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 identity problem. And if you like a, a biological um, a biological uh, phrasing of Shankar's plot 
of uh, uh, an abrupt change in, say, the density, as as he gave an example, uh, a biological equivalent would be the interfaces where an identity crisis happens. Sure. Um, but as a consequence, in biological terms, the defining feature of an interface is actually the identity distinction involved. Mm-hmm. Um but in, are there are there are there so are all interfaces in living systems essentially membranes or something to that effect so let me um, give you a radically different example sure um, we are sitting in mumbai um, and one of mumbai's many characteristics is the fact that luxurious high rises and um, slum clusters coexist at one level the slum cluster is clearly demarcated from the high rise but not entirely you have slums hutments bleeding physically into the space of the luxury high rises and yet the identity distinction is not diluted at all and it's in that gross sense that a physical barrier at that scale of a cluster of um, slum hutments and a set of buildings is not essential to making the identity distinction because even when within the compound of a, a, a luxurious high rise condominium you have along the boundary wall inside so you can have hutments. interfaces without fences you can have interfaces without fences in fact um, you know to 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 go from mumbai um, across the world uh, one of the characteristics of uh, old american suburbia mm-hmm. is that everybody has their house their lawn their yard and yet peculiarly very many of those are fenceless properties right and yet it's very clear which territory is whose right in a legal sense in, in a, a property sense, sense in a legal sense even in an actual lived sense of what is seen as intrusion and what is not sure 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 and how are the computer environments different obviously very distinct they are man made they are digital yeah graphical you create interfaces what are interfaces for you philip uh yeah i think it's a bit different but maybe it's basic based on the on the intrinsic nature of computing which is information technology we call it i think interfaces for us is really a matter of communication medium Mm. So you have two different environments and you want to have a, a, a way of communicating between these two environments. So yeah, interfaces could be hardware. And then you say communicating, is it is it a way of getting data, a way of getting inputs? Yeah, there are two, two ways of communication. One is to provide data through the interface and the other one is to provide commands. So you want to trigger a command on the other, for instance. Or and how, how are data and commands different? Uh, Isn't command just a different kind of data into the system? It or? Could be seen, but but one will have an impact on on the other side doing something for you, for instance. So, sure. so that would be a, a, an effect. I would say different. While the data would be just uh, information that could be used later on. So, so there is different between um, yeah presenting information, for instance, on on a computer for the user rather than the user triggering a command on the computer doing something. Right. Which might be physical again. So. Right. So really, I think really for us in computing. 
and all the aspects of computing, eh, all of them, um, there would be this notion of communication. And if it could be between a human and a computer, but it could be also between two computer systems. And uh, so interfaces could be uh, communication mediums, could be a screen, could be anything that would allow information and commands to be passed to the but other in, side. But of in the very early days, and we'll get to the more cutting edge things yeah. later on, Philippe, but in the very early days, mm -hmm. was there any struggle at all of how how one could interface with a computer? Yeah, um, it has because, been. Because I mean, clearly today, you know, there are tactile screens and this graphical and you kind of know what you're up to. Yeah. But how, how difficult has that journey been conceptually? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. one of the aspects also we have, uh, which I, might be a bit different for my colleagues, is that the, the computing, uh, people working in computing would design interfaces. So, so the, the, there is nothing existing. So, so you start right. from nothing and, and then you build something. And so in the early days, uh, there were yeah, very complicated hardware interfaces. And now it's, it's really uh, changing completely, let's say, this way, because we have new technologies for that. And when you say hardware interfaces, what do you Could mean? Could be a cable. I mean, cable, yeah, switches. Yeah, you a, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so I think one a good example is, is network, when you want to, to connect two computers. I'm not talking about user interfaces here. Sure. Uh, you, you need be, before, you needed a cable. And the cable has a length. And then what you do with this cable is, uh, is defined by the cable. Now with Wi-Fi, for instance, you have a completely different way of interacting. And, and that's just a change that has occurred over the years. And the things are moving this way. So it's less physical, at least perceived this way by, by people, and, uh, and more yeah, in the air, let's say this way. So. Right, 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 right. Is the, is the, I mean, obviously the physical world is entirely analogical. There is no equivalent of digital kind of scenarios that... Uh, one would think of in the computing sense, right? Uh, well, I'll just give, let me give a concrete example where it comes close but not entirely close to what Philip was talking about. Sure. And this is this. Suppose you want to have a reverse osmosis or osmotic membrane. Hmm. So you have salt water on one side and you want to get the water out of it, take the salt out of the picture. <clears throat> sure. What would you do? You'd put a membrane inside it. A membrane would be like a interface. Now, I would go up and constantly design membranes. Right? The smarter the membrane is, the better it is. Now, a lot of this technology could either be implemented straight away at the hardware level, but a which lot is, which is at the level of the membrane itself. At the level of the membrane, but suppose you did so a, aspects like <clears throat> permeability. But suppose you did something slightly different. Mm -hmm. Suppose you made this membrane slightly active, smart membranes. And what is a smart membrane? A smart membrane is, what is the problem with all this, uh, you know, reverse osmosis or osmotic membrane? One of the big problems is if you put it in the sea, there's a junk which comes in and sits under and clogs your pores. Right. Suppose the membranes knew this. Suppose right. it could kick it off. So you, you would call that a software of sorts? Yes, I would say that it's a smart. When I, the moment I use the word smart, I've already give it, given it a kind of an intelligence here, no? It's maybe programmed, sure. but sure. you know you have, and you today you have materials. For example, you can have uh, robots which are, which fold on itself. So mm. you you basically have shape memory objects. So you know you have encoded your shape onto the object. You give it some heat pulse or say some something else, some external stimulus, and then it remembers what it was supposed to do and it does it. So you know. The difference between materials and material-based interfaces and software-based interfaces, programmed interfaces, are getting more blurred now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, just one comment on that is when we talk about Wi-Fi, it's based on waves. 
and waves are typically the field of the physicists. So, so yeah, everything is close. And, 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 and as it, there is a material behind it, of course. Yeah, I mean, uh, biologists and physicists would be uh, part of, a, of, the, of, the, yeah, of the way it works. So like biology for human interacting with computers. The shape of the hand has a huge impact on what you can do. <laughs> and, 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 and of course, it comes from biology. It's not from somewhere else. So the, the, the Wi-Fi field is similar to a force field in, in the way one would think of things and I know it's not it's not your domain we get that Shankar we get that we get that yeah, uh, well, force and potentials are very yeah, contentious issues in physics you know so I yeah so but you can think of waves so suppose you get waves you, you're dealing with waves which are which are physical objects they're rebounding against surfaces now how did, I'll give you a simplest example of it you want to make a uh, say a mirror which can and construct the night sky properly. You know, what do you do with it? And the night sky is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. So what do you do is, you start, you have a mirror, which is a deformable mirror. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, you see, I have an interface. The mirror is an interface for me. But it's a smart interface. I'm, all that I'm trying to make a point is, you know, this material science and software today have got mixed into one particular bunch. You just really cannot separate one from the another. And in all, all, most cases where physicists work, biology, I don't know how much you can use it and how much goes about there. But in physical material world, wherever material scientists have contributed, a lot of software actually goes into it. And how, how do you think of this intelligence aspect? I mean, how, so, how materially is it encoded, uh, Satyajit? So um, one of the problems for biologists um, especially when listening to um, uh, materials and software um, design perspectives, is that even biologists themselves tend to forget that um, the bread and butter problems in biology have no predetermined intention and in that sense are not designed. And yet, they are as emergent. But they come prop- to be designed as emergent properties. Sure, they function in two distinct and, particularly in the context that we are discussing, remarkably interesting ways. The first um, that I, I, I already um, said was the idea of identity, and I'll come back to that. But the interface idea in biology encompasses not simply identity, but to use a term that my colleagues here uh, will find familiar, the ability to contain and therefore to find command and control easier. So think about a cell membrane. And a cell membrane as, a, as an interface, as a sort of fundamental interface in biology, if you will, is both a way for biological systems to define inside and outside, to communicate across that barrier in selective terms. But you also control the outside somewhat. But far more importantly than outside, you control the inside in far more stringently regulated parameters because of the presence of the 
interface defined physical domain but satyajit there are different kinds of interactions right so so if if there were to be physically two different kinds of living bodies presumably there are different kinds of interactions between them of course you know there's only one membrane so that's fine so there could be multi purpose membranes in the sense that they serve as the site for different kinds of interactions but if there were to be 5 or 10 or 20 different kinds of interactions are there at least more than one interfaces possibly even in a physical sense That's so let me you know so let me I mean. turn i know exactly i think i know exactly what sure. you mean sure. so let me use philips uh, um, analogy of a cable and wifi hmm. you have let us say an interface that involves a cable you have an interface in biological terms that involves a cell membrane hmm. that physically in the sense of the cable defines the length the distance over which two devices can communicate in the case of a cell it clearly imposes order in a command and control uh, sense within a physically delineated space sure fair enough on the other hand so on the one hand what it does is it gives you stringency of command and control and it's why i th- i suspect it's one explanation of why membrane bound life forms are so fundamental because it's the easiest non- in terms of bound life in forms? terms of command and control it's really very hard to find um non membrane bound um stable or at least unstable steady state biological systems very hard you can imagine that a virus in a variety of ways is kind of sort of that but really in the sense that we are talking about even a virus is physically so in in physical limited. systems does it make sense to say that if there are different kinds of interaction then there must be different kinds of interfaces so i'll put it in the way i understand that is sure if you have an interface and if the interface has a functionality now now i'm not talking about an abstract, abstract interface but a physical interface sure. it immediately results into your things which is outside different from which is inside you don't have to do much about it think of a simple example suppose i have an interface face which allows me only to heat to move from one side to the other side sure okay what will happen the outside will become colder the inside will become hotter right so suddenly i have created out a, a a temperature gradient in my system you can put any selection rules whatever you want feel like but once you have got a functional interface you will actually even if you started with things which are identical both inside and outside after some time you will get you'll get systems so interfaces end up emerging or they so end up coming about, to be suppose, in some sh- so language is a continuous thing right yeah So now what you do is you create a political boundary. <laughs> and then look at that particular system. So there are different force fields almost. 20 years down the line. Yeah. Things would be very very different, right? This was a physically imposed interface. There was nothing natural about it. Yeah. But but just because interface selectively does something, you know, it allows something to come inside and something not to go that side. There's some kind of filtering. It it basically ends up being that the, that one space will become very different from the other space right and if there are you know pressures of development or you know if there is some bias towards something then obviously there will be selection pressures and things like that 
And for different kinds, where are you on this, Philip? Um, different kinds of interactions, do they invariably need or result in different kinds of interfaces? Like, is it likely that, I mean, fast forward mm. 500 years, 100 years, whatever, one can take one spec, only one kind of interface does everything? Yeah. Because today, um, in a more simplistic sense, you have the mouse, you have the keyboard, you have the touchscreen, you have, yeah. you know, there are many ways of... I, I, it's a, it's a complicated question to answer. Uh, one element I would see about user interface is that there are, there are two computing units, which is the brain of the human and the, and the brain of the computer, which we call CPU most of the time. And, and, uh, and, and we need to have these two to communicate with each other. And then there will be a, a set of interfaces in between. And what is interesting in our field, I would see what is called human-computer interaction, is that the, the human will be processing information and providing some output, like speaking would be an output, and then when it comes to the computer, you'll have the input of that. Right. So, so speech would be input. So we have this loop of output, input, and backwards, uh, output from the computer getting through the eyes, for instance, and getting an input in the brain. And th the tendency for the future would be to try to make this communication as efficient as possible. But why is it that we are not able to interact with the computers via a keyboard alone? Because yeah, because of the nature uh, of is input. That yeah, the, because the, there are different kinds of input. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the, 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 when we moved from keyboard to the mouse, which was a big change in the eighties. Let's say this way, uh, when it was available for everybody, it was invented much earlier. The mouse was about sixty-two, sixty-three. Um, the main difference that you were able to deal with graphical information. So, so you can draw a line, something like that. And with the keyboard, it's impossible because it's again back to the discussion we had at the beginning about one dimension or two dimension or three dimensions. So the keyboard is typically one dimension. And, uh, and if you want to explain something in two dimensions with one dimension, it's really complicated. So, so that's the way we move uh, forward, I would say. Uh, so as you think of the arc of how all of this has developed, uh, Philippe, over the last 30, 40, 50 years, yeah. are the number of interfaces increasing or are they getting consolidated? Um, uh, my view, but maybe... Uh, it, be, not that it, it yeah. maybe doesn't matter. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. No, a, no, I think it, my view would be that it will increase because what is important is performance. So this is the key. So if you are more important, more performant with something, then this interface is better. And people will switch. So you see now the, when the mouse arrived, the keyboard is still there. It does not disappeared because you are very good for input in text. Textual input. Yeah, text, yeah. Textual input is much better with keyboard than with the mouse. So in terms of performance, we want to come back to the keyboard for this kind of data, for instance. And so uh, I would not see one replacing all. It will be different ways of communicating because, again, the, the point of the interface is a communication channel so between one computer and... Uh, are there some interfaces which have become totally obsolete and have died, which, which were... Well, yes, because, uh, yeah, it's true. Good question again. You know uh, what I mean. Yeah, 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 I understand. Yeah, and it's true. It's, uh, it, what disappeared, for instance, was uh, the previous screens, which were uh, textual screens, where you were only able to display characters. So it was like 80, 80 columns by 25 That's lines. Right. And this <laughs> is gone green, because... Green uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and this one disappears because a, a graphical screen can do that as well. So right. it, it's really over It's a subset of that, Correct. in a way. And he was uh, saying something. Yeah, so one of the problems of interfacing with a computer, as far as I see through it, is the way we express ourselves. See, language is one form. And we don't express ourselves digitally. No, no. I mean, it, yeah. it so has to be translated example, into you, No, no. You could have logic which is based on, on language, but you can also have logic which is not based on language. Yeah. See, if it is language-based, then there are ways of translating languages into commands. Mm -hmm. but, we are, but your futuristic thing is also not language-based. And this is a gray area. I don't, I mean, Philip might know much more than I know. 
but well, what do you mean by not not language based just just emotions just getting translated take, into for example you feel pain sure. and you can you can you feel hungry and you know what to do sure. our dog also does that right sure so sure. you know you do, just to communicate you don't nearly necessarily and also language is given that a language you have a set, certain set of characters can you express yourself the best in a language a given language for example choose english is it is it possible that all kinds of all kinds of problems can be formulated in a language form this is not a clear question can you actually formulate all problems in something which you can write it down no oh, that's fair that's right if you cannot write it down and if your only way of communicating with a computer is going to be some written language translation linguistic non linguistic then it is going to be complicated you are going to have multiple interfaces this is even at the at the scale of formulating a problem i can see that there will be complications related to that mm-hmm. in 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 the physical world for different kinds of forces and we want to go to the notion of forces however problematic it might be are there different kinds of interfaces different kinds of interfaces that come to be because there are obviously different kinds of forces short range long range gravitational forces magnetic forces all kinds of things and i know you deal with so you know what this is interesting because hmm. it's right that you know physicists have this force based uh, intuition about things hmm. and force essentially gives rise to trajectories and that's not exactly what we look for always hmm. you know often in every almost most situations we are hardly bothered about trajectories hmm. we are basically asking qualitative questions mm-hmm. this over emphasis on on forces and trajectories for example you know did you ask me that for example something was a solid or a liquid did i really care about about you know which molecule went where sure. so we start asking qualitative questions now there isn't a very good construct also about how to ask a qualitative question you know you could ask me what is a qualitative question but most questions that are relevant are qualitative questions uh, and you know quality we are very good at answering exact answers with trajectory based but trajectory based questions may not be the most relevant question or sometimes the trajectory based answers are so complicated that you can't even do a trajectory based question so if we if we make a specific question so i mean there could be a system or a few bodies ex- essentially within a magnetic field and essentially within gravitational field or electromagnetic field the kind of interfaces that would emerge would they be different characteristically formally uh, they may be very complicated questions to answer but what's no, what's i mean a, so let's let's put it this way let's instead of doing it that, your way out sure. let me do a clockmaker's way of doing things mm-hmm. how does a clockmaker describe his way the clock works mm-hmm. he gives you qualitative answers he says you know the pin goes up and the pin goes down he's not worried about which force comes into no, play, that's right? right so once you know there is an external stimulus once you know there is an external perturbation mm-hmm. you have identified the external perturbation so what are you actually trying to do you are trying to do some kind of a pid control means it's an ac like right you have, if some some parameter changes you have a sensor to fit, to realize what has changed and then you have feedback to figure out that you know what should i do to basically compensate for the change that i have done so, so if, you see the effects of the force you don't see the force but it's you don't see the effects you just see if you can measure the changes i don't know why this is the room's ac has suddenly gone you know uh, it's sure. become very cold i know what to do 
even if i don't understand that i know the compressor should be turned off for some time right mm. so mm. that would be the simplest way of doing a feedback systems what feedback does is if you get, get this kind of feedback it will give you a system a stability mm. and more complicated the feedbacks are the more st- stable your system is for example suppose you take a mumbai local coming into and you see people who are lining on to the st- close to the st- the train they are pretty lined up in one direction in a row they don't come too close to the train because it will hit the train they don't go too far away from it there's sure. a line sure this line is self adjusted so what causes this line to be self adjusted because there are microstates in the system which the system had adjusted so you know if you go then somebody pushes onto you once you have somebody is pushing onto you are kind of digging on there because you don't want to come very close to the uh, rail coming rail, coming train because you will get hit by the train so now how, now this interfaces would be that how many microstates have i given to the system you might want multiple microstates to be given to the system multiple interfaces into the system but if you have many interfaces to the system you might make the system very stable it's not always in the interest of you to make something extremely stable because extremely stable systems will also take a very long time to respond so you know there's a trade off between the 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 the, the response time the feedback mechanisms and um, and the sensory input so too many sensory inputs too complicated a feedback process will give you an extremely stable system but you know to change the state of the system will be very sluggish the system will behave very sluggishly does so that resonate with you sir so it, it, it very much does what is your word morphologically what does so, it look um, like so if you think about it biological systems as a, an emergent characteristic spend an enormous amount of effort um to build precisely what shankar is talking about um biological membranes are constantly built and dismantled right um they are maintained our, all the time our skin renews all the time in fact if it doesn't as a matter of fact if you think about it in those terms in biological systems if interfaces are not constantly maintained you die cells die because the interface is not maintained i would yeah but maybe because they have a, a double purpose one is to allow communication so sensing temperature and whatever and, and protecting from the other side also yeah right so absolutely so w- which takes me back to what we were talking about earlier that the interface is allowing stringent command and control inside and if the if if in such a situation the interface is breached then a major uh, regulatory factor a major constraint if you like on the ability of the internal command and control system um, is lost and you get degradation of life forms so would, would it be fair to say that complex organisms or bodies are unlikely without the equivalent of a membrane or a skin Impossible. let me put it this way i, I mean biologists have I mean, have, have learned a great deal of humility simply based on what incredibly diverse biological mechanisms that nobody had ever thought about just end up getting serendipitously discovered so um saying that something is impossible is very rare for anybody to get a biologist to say something is impossible because you know the moment you but with that proviso yes sure fair but, enough but um so 
incidentally let me let me uh, answer an earlier question you had about a, a, an interface that has been lost mm-hmm. so human communities interfaced with their history through formal storytellers formal formal storytellers <laughs> we had people who told us our story Mm-hmm. we no longer do it's not that we don't tell ourselves our own story but we do not use the interface that we used to use because we now have other interfaces to use so but that's by the way but one of the problems of um non physical interfaces in biological systems is precisely this that internal control on one side of the interface on the life forms side of the interface becomes that much more un- uncertain in the absence of a maintained physical barrier and it's why i think that one of the things that not 500 or 1000 years in the future but a hundred thousand years in the future that biological systems will assimilate from mm, computer science if you will is the strategic ideas of non-physical interfaces still permitting stringent within side command and control and that would be a remarkably interesting future mm. i just i would just comment on that which is when i took the example of the cable and wifi it's 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 both of them are physical to me but one is the human can perceive it and, and act on it and the other one no so, so that makes a, a, a big barrier and again it puts the human at the center of what happens because uh, yeah that's what you can interpret and what you see from the environment so what would you say is exactly true yes i think works in computing science and how are how are autonomous systems different because in some ways a lot of the living bodies a lot of the systems that you create are autonomous but is it how are autonomous systems different which with what what if you had to have a system which needs an interaction or a user interface or input from outside and you wanted to create something which is relatively more autonomous how are they different at the level of the interface yeah i think in your question there is a word which is very interesting and which is and, uh, relatively mm. autonomous <laughs> and this is the main point of it so right. so if it's fully autonomous you don't care because nobody cares yeah and but as soon as it's not fully autonomous then it means that the human will have to perceive the states there was discussion about at states. least the super why is it or yeah, exactly. even if not yeah. mm. and and so uh, we we, we uh, as i work with cockpit design for instance and these kind of things we always have automation like an autopilot but the main target of the autopilot is to be understood by the pilot and being able to be engaged and disengaged hmm. and again you will have the human in the loop and the human perceiving information and the user interface should be there to allow you to do what you have to do and when you say human in the loop you mean one is providing inputs exactly. and things of that so, nature and, and and yes exactly and the more the system is getting autonomous usually the less input it requires both in terms of command and data and then the work of the human is changing from in the loop acting and working to supervision of, of this autonomous system and and this change in user interface for us it's a design aspect of 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 these interfaces is very different uh, user interface for supervision 
And you see that in games. That's a very good example. Computer games, you would have autonomous entities that you just let collecting resources, for instance, but you want to interrupt them. And this is very different from you clicking, clicking all the time to move the entity around and so on. So. And it sounds obvious, but I just want to make sure one is getting it correctly. So systems which are merely for supervision versus systems where you input all the data and you... Yeah. So the interface and the supervision systems are less complicated? No. This is, again... <laughs> this it, is a, it should be that way. It, it could be seen as less complicated, but when you supervise a, a swarm of, of robots or a swarm of UAVs, you see, which is kind of drones and, and mine vehicles, the supervision activity is extremely complicated. So, so the, 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 the cognitive task of looking at what's going on, understanding what each element will do and how they will behave in the future and how you can interrupt them from doing something and take over the control, this is extremely complicated. So it looks simple, usually when everything performs as expected. And as soon as the environment is changing the things or, or you decide to change your things, that would be complicated. I just give a, a, an example that I'm really against these autonomous cars. I think it will kill people, a lot of people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but when you look at people uh, explaining... E- e- even with a well-designed interface yeah, system... Uh, you look at the Google car, there is not even a button to start or stop or whatever. You just sit and uh, the, the design was made this way. And w- what you will never see is how when you came in, come into the car, you sit and you say to the car, I want to go there. Mm-hmm. And, and, this is never explained. And then you are inside, and then there is traffic, and you know you are late, and you want to change the direction to another place. Mm-hmm. And you want to know how long it will take now from now to the next place, and the other one to make a, cho- a choice, for instance. This is never explained. And again, it's not a problem of sitting in a car which is autonomous. It's everything around which makes the car useful as a tool for the human being in the car. And I think this is hidden to the, to the population. So what would it change? I think it should be, <laughs> I would not do an autonomous car. I would do a car which, in some context, would behave as autonomous with having the possibility for people to interrupt, predict, understand what's going on, and, and act on it. So, so and, and again, as I said, uh, an interface which is for doing things is completely different for, for an interface of automation, or of supervision, sorry. But people adding the autonomy, automation functions will not see that this way. So they will say, oh, it's just another button on, on the previous one, for instance, which is, uh, I think, a big mistake. So if you embed a fully automatic thing in a non-deterministic environment, then it becomes the hell bricks loose because you can in no way code in everything that can go wrong. But you can always have fail-safes where it where it just stops yeah. or hangs. or yeah. And you or want to catch your flight and the train. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you are sitting in the car, you're stuck. And Would that's you it. And it? you have to reboot. <laughs> yeah. That's what it, so you, if you want to have a dynamical control over systems, you will have to have, you know, if you... So if you want to make the system stable, then it's, you know, everything, all the cars are automated, that's a different. But if, you, if there's a dynamics involved in it, it's, it's a, something that changes, you know, you With can time. change the system. Yeah. You can identify what, which are the leaders, for example. Whom should I change so that, you know, the whole... You, it's in traffic, you realize. You know, if I just block this particular road, then the traffic will ease out. These are dynamical decisions. These decisions, I doubt, can be actually fully automated out. So what's the nature of errors that you anticipate? So, um, For automation? or Yes. Ah, well, the first one is that uh, the autonomous system will never work. Okay, that's a be- very basic. I mean, you, you have uh, companies like Microsoft doing <laughs> huge systems. I mean, if you look at Windows or Office and whatever, 
but they are much simpler than an autonomous system dealing with weather conditions, with traffic, with uh, uh, roads design, which are over mountain, all these kind of things, and, and night and days and, 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 <laughs> and dust and whatever. And, and they don't work. I mean, you have to reboot your computer every day or every two days and because, because making them work is extremely complicated. Well, living okay. bodies are some kind of autonomous system. Uh-huh. Right? We so kind of handle all sorts of... They started short. before. I mean, biology, they started doing... <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> they have a lead of so a few million years. Not, <laughs> not simply that. Not simply that. So you're negative in there the short a, term. You're okay with it in the next five there is a years fundamental. No, there's a fundamental difference. Mm-hmm. Biological systems don't care yeah. if a few people die. Because, because there are many... And they do right. in biological systems. And it's more than few. Absolutely. <laughs> so but, but let me approach this in a couple of uh, different resets. One is, as soon as you, we begin to talk about, to use their example, the, the, um, to use Shankar and Philippe's example, the idea of the self-driving car, the whole notion of what the interface is has changed. Once we begin to discuss an, um, an autonomous car as distinct from an automatic car. So hang on, Satyajit. So in this context, which is the autonomous car in its purest form for whoever wants to make it, has no interface at all except for just a voice command or something? Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that's the Google car. Because there are a lot of people have different views. The Google car, as it was designed, is available in, in a museum in, in, um, in Mountain View, not far in the US. You, there is nothing. So, so there's not, no interface there at all. There is no driving so there's wheel. Just, you can just give one command, and which is to like go somewhere. One, even, one kind of command. Even this is not explicit. But when you sit there, there is no... No driving wheel, and no there pedal. is no analog. Well, why would the, uh, a truly autonomous car? Why would it move? It yeah, just sit there. No, well, it depends on the command. It is. Wait, 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 wait. wait. If, sure. that, if it true, is that, commandable, not... it's not fully autonomous. Well, it's autonomous for all the functions it needs to do, but it still See, takes. That, this autonomous. is the distinction that we are making. There is hmm. a difference between truly autonomous versus automated for many functions. Well, I think we're playing with words here. No, we're not. So, so, that's okay, so here's I the think. biological so, so equivalent So when you say autonomous cars, we don't mean a car that wants to go somewhere. It, it is a car that goes where you want it to go. So, so you that's wanna, fine. But I mean, So autonomous, I mean, no car wants to go from place A to but, place B because it's not a living object. No, but I think, no, no, but but I think that Philippe's worry is precisely that, that the idea... Um, of many of these designs has begun to blur precisely that distinction. And I think this is a very good discussion because we have a a biologist here because this is exactly the point where where we have a a separation. So let's say maybe the car would always like to have the battery low. That's that's the target of a car. So it will be driving around in circle until the battery is low and then going to recharge, for instance. (laughs) Or, Or maybe the opposite, wants to save battery. And so whatever you... Whatever you want to do, will not move. What's the analog of? <laughs> but but this, this, this. but let us let us um, uh, abandon what you are calling the semantic distinction. Although I don't think any of us three think it's a semantic distinction. That's fine. Nonetheless, so let me um, go back to the idea of what I'm calling the changing nature of what we are what we see as the relevant interface. So. At one level, every interface is physical in the strict sense that Shankar would probably mean physical. But think about it this way. Are there no interfaces within a cell 
as far as biological systems are concerned. And of course, that's not true. There are major interfaces. Are all of those interfaces inside the cell also defined by membranes? And the answer is no. For example, to within the cell, there are fluids that flow more or less rapidly. And this is not simply true inside cells. This is true in rivers. It's true in streams. There are fast-flowing parts of a river. There are slow-flowing parts of a river. And there's an interface between them. So there could be interfaces within liquids? Within oh, sure. Oh, interfaces, yeah. With reasonably so distinct identities. Ah, but the it. identity problem becomes dodgier. What's the nature of so those interfaces? I'll give you a very simple example. You know, these ball bearings... Hmm are typically, each ball is separated from every other ball with a compartment. Mm -hmm. The reason is that if you have two balls, the balls, when they rub against each other, they can't roll. Okay. So now you think of lots of these balls which are moving together. If they touch each other, they can't roll. So their mobility drops. So then suddenly you will have a part of these balls which are self-organized, which is moving very slowly. On the other hand, you could have some balls which are moving fast. So just by its neighborhood, it has differentiated itself that, into that's, two that's regions. What that's, that's what One which is slow moving, one which is fast moving. Right. A ball in itself could have taken any of these roles because it could either be sliding or it could be rolling. So that's why you mean that it's not an identity problem. It's, a, it's a, there's a role play of sorts there depending on yeah, where you are. So it could have behavior. It could have it could access. So this is a state that I was talking about. State. Now, I yes. could have accessed my rolling state, or I could have accessed my sliding, sliding state. state. Now, which did I access depends upon what was my neighbors. You know what in in the context of neighbors, I I decided to take one or the other identity. Is there role play of that nature happening in living systems? It very much is on the one hand, but what it does create, nonetheless, is the emergent problem of identity and the uncertainty of that identity. In 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 fact, in Shankar's description, you can hear this emergent confusion as being much more likely in these kinds of situations. Unlike the situations where what Shankar would call, for example, a, an actual third thing, a wall, being built. Um, you know, it's like two neighboring houses which are building a wall that keeps falling down and both sides keep, or one side keeps building it over and over again. And the children from either side never see each other. Um, whereas there is a property line, but there's no wall and the children are sort of, and it, Eventually, it's not impossible to imagine that the children are confused about which house they belong to. Uh, so, let me give an example of that kind that biological systems live with, that we live with. Sure. And that is, microbes keep coming into what we think of as our bodies sure. all the time. How do we deal with this? Do we recognize them as having come in? which means that we are thinking about them as having crossed an interface, how do we think about two separate problems then? One, what is the functional definition of an interface for such a sensing mechanism? And number two, what is the actual basis of recognition when you have what is apparently a microbial and therefore a not-me entity that is nonetheless in the physical space that defines me. So how, I mean, clearly there is a, you're an immunologist, you know how we recognize antigens and 
so th- that is how do you recognize a foreign object and the problem object? is we don't do it terribly well we do it the way the google car will work it kills people it kills organisms so, biological systems is it a survive. recognition is it a recognition problem or it's a response i mean uh, i'm sure that's very very complex and there must be many it's a it's a it's a problem of um how shall i say this inefficiency on a multitude of parameters and as a result with infectious diseases people still die of course they do um we that we survive well enough is not the same thing as a perfect system that ensures everybody's survival and the ground for that is precisely this problem of interface that you you're you're wanting to have a definition of identity that's independent of the physical definition of an interface you've got something that come that's come into your body you've got a thorn you've got bacteria on the tip of the thorn the thorn has pricked you the thorn has gone away bacteria have now been left inside what you think of what what the biological system is treating as this side of the interface what is then the basis of recognition what is myself what is non self it's 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 sort of a fundamental problem for immunologists to to think about and while the, so the answers are statistical almost invariably and while statistical systems are robust in the survival sense they are not ever robust in the sense of ensuring individuals so they're survive. not error free but they're fairly fairly okay i mean of um, course this is course most this organisms. is not comforting if you are sending your children out in a car that's okay that's okay that's okay i think we're talking of living systems living bodies organisms by and large over millions of years of evolution see this, but but that's precisely the point i'm trying to make we tend to treat the fact that we are here as meaning that biological systems are optimal well sure this there is are a many that died out this is this is this is a fundamental <laughs> misconception that's fair enough that um, darwinian ideas are constantly subjected to that's fair enough there are many which have gotten weeded out in the process no 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 not simply that yes but we are not the, the fact that we are here is not evidence of the fact that we are optimal yeah is what i'm struggling to to get across and i think that quite remarkably for me there is this convergence between what philip and shankar are are pointing out in somewhat different but overlapping ways are the concerns about true autonomy of interfaces and biological systems and it's not even so one thing is we are not optimal but you know when you say something is not optimal you also know what are you optimizing for right you don't even know that that what is being what is being optimized hmm. no so you know because some functions we know from you know physics but that function those function exist in certain kinds of space you don't know whether they are being optimized you actually it's there are too many hidden hidden variables in this entire problem and if you have too many hidden variables in an entire problem you are basically an you are like an that's very small animal trying to figure out what an elephant looks like 
Well, I mean, you know, think about biological systems responding to climate change-driven temporal uncertainties of environment. That's essentially what all current understanding of, of climate change consequences predicts are likely to be, increasing variations. How would biological systems respond? And the answer is not very well. Will they survive? Yes, absolutely they'll survive. In the sense that something will emerge that survives those. But our idea that, um, to use Shankar's term, something is optimal is both in error at a given time point as well as over time in different environments. So in this, going, going to your example and linking some of what we're discussing, Philippe, if you are to build the autonomous car, you would build it um, more enveloped around how we are? I mean, are, are you suggesting that it's not built around human... I mean, there's a philosophical problem that you have, which I think one understands, but is there a design call that has been taken along the way which you think is fundamentally wrong? And is there a way of designing a machine, an artifact, in a manner that 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 is more natural that we could just give it commands the way we yeah I, or, or or maybe that thing already exists and it's the car that we currently have yeah, my 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 take on that is that people who want to do uh, autonomous car are not taking into account what people want to have so so they they think they can do it or they think they can make profit out of it and they would try to do it and push it as much as possible and and just take an example you are in an autonomous car and there is a tornado you want to go in a shelter no autonomous car before the next like uh, maybe 100 years when they would do more and more knowledge and so on they would be able to do that so so you will be just stuck and dead in the in the autonomous car because it will stop or it will not stop but in any case you're dead so so uh, i think but these seem like relatively simple fixes i mean you just have to have the ability to say you, sure, it's not autonomous. No, no, no. Ah, but that's exactly so the that's, problem that's that he's no, But this is the same as a human. We, we are seeing that. I mean, <laughs> you as a human on the street and there is a tornado, what do you do? And, and different humans will react differently because they will assess the danger in different ways and they will assess risks differently and they will decide to perform or act differently. And, and the, the problem is that when you make your own decision with your tools, it's your, it's your fault or your decision to survive or not. When you 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 are you are inside a car which will make decision for your life, I think that's very different. I think the, I would imagine that the counter argument would be that it's a, it's about the overall collective decision making improving. So if if you if you die of your own mistake, yeah, then, then obviously you're not okay with that <laughs> as well. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, obviously, yeah. It's, see, I mean, there's something revolting about dying because of a machine's mistake. That's yeah. fine. But if the overall yeah. decision-making improves... But if you look at aviation, we have autopilots for like the 1920s. Do they work yeah. all right? Yeah, they are available and deployed and whatever. But still, the autopilot is doing what the pilot is saying the autopilot to do. So you just delegate... So what are the parts of... And you, you've done so much work on this. What are the parts of it which are not fully automated where human beings still come in? Everything is not automated because the, the pilot is responsible. As long as you hold responsibility, then mm -hmm. you are in charge. So, so you can delegate... For a, for a short period of time, some actions to a, to a device, but then it's your your duty to look at what the device is doing, the autopilot, and, and to interrupt it at any time. So the autopilot is designed in such a way that you can always interrupt it. 
Okay, so it's always able to get an, an input from the human to stop behaving. So is that a good model to follow for cars? It, it, it solves part of the discussion we had before. As if the system are very simple, then if you are not completely stupid, you can assess if they will work all the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. If they are complex, it's very difficult to assess. And, the, and, and autonomous car is extremely complex, much more complex than what we have in any kind of software at the moment. So. And, and it looks like cars are more complex than planes. Are they? Uh, in in terms of their the range of variables and environments. Yeah, exactly. The environment with. is much. Yeah, yeah. So I will not say about the, the car versus plane, but the environment where you fly aircraft and where the environment where you drive cars, it's very different. So yes, it's much more complex because you don't have a, a plane passing by. I mean, regulations about separations between aircrafts make it in such a way that you don't have problem that will occur on cars. Okay. And just changing tracks a little bit, if we have to design interfaces in a mm -hmm. totally natural way mm -hmm. where we don't have to change ourselves, we are what we are. Of course, we're changing all the time yeah. over a long period of time. Is there is there a problem with that? This is a very good question again. And uh, Because clearly when yeah. you have to deal with some kind of an interface, an artifact, graphics, logos, yeah. Yeah. interface, which one has to learn to operate. Exactly. Yeah. And it's so different from... Yeah. And in, I don't know, maybe a natural interface. Exactly, and in human-computer interaction, and this comes back to, to the question from, to discussion from Shankar before about language, is that we want to have the thing which is the most efficient. So efficiency is very important, otherwise people will not perform well and they will drop and, and use something else. So, so a natural interface is likely to be poor. Okay, so when, when we drive a bicycle, <laughs> you have to learn to drive a bicycle. But with that, you are extremely efficient in movement. In, yeah, yeah, and moving around. So, so learning in order to empower the user is very important and it's part of the design aspect. So, so in a way, it's almost a new language, a new skill or something that exactly. you pick up. Yeah. If it fits perfectly with the data you have to provide and the commands you have to trigger, yes, that's a good design and, and learning might, be, might have a cost, but it's okay. It will be uh, or, or compensated by, by the improvement of, of users. So, so naturality is not a target per se. Okay? And, and, it's, and the design will be based on what was a discussion in the beginning of the talk is about the compromises. So there will be trade-offs. And then you will go a bit more natural and then you have less training, but you lose a bit of performance, but that's okay. Or you do the, the differently and this is a design issue. And this is why biological systems are very different because they are not designed. They are just evolving all the time. And there, it's not the end of the design. We, have a end, we, we finish design when we deploy, let's say this way. Biology <laughs> is, is designed under deployment, which is a different process. Well... Uh, let me let me um, give a, give two examples of biological systems and the idea of communication across interfaces um, and the notion of autonomy more or less. For example, if if I were a diabetic and I needed insulin, can I have an insulin pump implanted? Yes. Do I want the insulin pump? to function on its own? No, I want the insulin pump to function in a way that I can control without necessarily having to try very hard to control it. So for example, do I want the pump to do whatever it is doing on its own, regardless of whether I want to eat jalebis or not? <laughs> Sweets. Yeah. And the answer is no. Right. But what I do want to do is to be able to tell the pump, I'm going to eat two jalebis, deal with it, and to have it deal with it. 
the seamlessness of interface communication is really what we are driving at rather than autonomy per se. Yeah, and, and the main point here is the margin you have. Because yeah, your body can tolerate a variation of sugar and, and then the pump should understand that or should have knowledge about that. But let me give you an yeah. opposite example. Mm -hmm. Biologists love to do this. Supposing you, so then, could, then, then, then. you could control <laughs> your own digestion. Hmm. Currently, you cannot think sure. and instruct your gut to, sure. to do this. That would be a good thing. Doesn't sound like... Doesn't sound no, like because me. you're going to have to bother hmm. all the time. And there are certain things you really don't maybe want to be bothered by. And in a design sense, that's what the interface designers are trying to figure out. Which are the components that can be left to um, quasi-autonomous performance and They're function. not taking explicit input from us anyway. So these are subconscious processes. Over yeah, but think about it. You eat something that you know is a bit old, like a week old, like some meat which is a bit old. It's better to keep it one hour more in the stomach right. to digest the bacteria which <laughs> sure. than, than, yeah, than performing as usual. And, and sure. then you, you, we would never be sick okay. because of that. But, but that's they, what he means by compromises yeah, of, exactly. of, of, of trade-offs. Yeah, exactly. But there's one additional complication is if you train too much, I mean, if you train your autonomous systems too much, then you will have this problem of having certain states which the system can suddenly take, which you don't want. See, you, the number of variables you increase in your problem, hmm. the more the states that are now the system can access. Right. Now, you can then, then start to access states, which I would say are not wanted states, which you have not counted for. So you know it's not never very good. What to do you have in mind? So for example, you, I, so you you give it a decision tree, right? So there are five hundred variables. Sure. Depending upon hundred variables, it can do various things. Now think about that it can under certain combination, it can do something totally weird. So it can go for a spin, for example. You know, it won't. It's not. It's not something which it intended to do. And sometimes because it's on a very large number of of parameter space that you have, you may not be able to have figured it a priori out that that was what the system was going to do. Uh, so, the, so on one hand, it might be good to see that, you know, I am giving the system more knowledge, the system is increasing. But on the other hand, you will also increase these rare events, probability of these rare events to happen, and you just cannot avoid it. It's just because you have increased the parameter space. The, the number of things that the system can now access is larger, Instead of doing, say, on-off, right. instead of making it digital, you have started trying try to make something which is more analog-like. So you have given yeah. many more states in the middle and you can do all kinds of funny things. So it's I don't know whether it's a good thing to actually leave everything to be automated in that sense, you know. So. Well, you can think about um, uh, the outcome of the brain <laughs> in precisely those terms. You can say you've increased the parameter space so much by a complex set of neural networks interfacing with the outside world and you have horrifyingly unintentional consequences such as individualities and personalities in a way, in a way, and, in and, and um, weird imaginations and syntax. In, <laughs> in a way you can never be autonomous because there's always an environment which is not fully mapped out. Right? Do you know what I mean? No, you can. 
because you are adapting to the environment and the environment feeds back into you so environment changes because you are there yeah but there, there could be inputs you haven't solved for the inputs that you haven't received before but that's there could be but that's the distinction of what you are designing for and what you are getting yeah so hmm. you will just behave poorly that's <laughs> if you're not you designed for that Why don't we end with you, Shankar? So we 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 thought of some of these interfaces. Is there something that you is there a common thread, common strand that you see? Interfaces? Yeah. Well, I think it's kind of covered over here. So you can have interfaces which abstract, which usually a physicist often encounters with. Then you can have intended interfaces because you have uh, interfaces which comes about because behaviors change across certain boundaries. Um. there you can have exchange of species uh these behaviors are usually defined by the functionalities that you have on the other hand you could have extraneous interfaces so there's a third component which comes in for example you have a computer and you have a human being or you have a cell and inside the cell there are various compartments and each compartment is separated out from each other compartment by a wall and sometimes and then this wall has certain properties and because this wall has certain properties over time this changes but you see every if you try to now design interfaces one of the biggest problems that will come across will be logical problems is what do we want to do and how do we encode it how what do you want to get out of it we are very good at communication language is a is a, is a mode of communication but sadly language is not an unambiguous way of communication yeah It's a very ambiguous way of communication. Probably not sadly, probably, but sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> you you will get into you know if you if you just take the language and start coding it up, you know, then you will have the same set of words can mean very different things the way you read into it. So, you know, but that's our natural way. That's that's how humans actually communicate mostly. You know, most of us communicate through words and. Yeah, sometimes we do communicate through other means, but what's common to all interfaces, Satyajit? Well, um, I I go around in a circle, um, back to where we began. Um, although I'm 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 thinking much more uh, about things I hadn't thought about before, but it still seems to me that in a biological and dare one say um, social sense, the interface is still about the trade-off that. Uh, both Philip and Shankar uh, talked about, in terms of how, let me use the word um, in all its meanings, how rigidly the interface is defined, mm. and the consequences of that for definitively belonging to this versus that side, versus the ease of communicating across it. and those three trade offs i think are um, universal in many ways to the evolved versus designed interface domains that we've been discussing and i suspect that we are going to see in the future in the far future remarkably unforeseen interesting ways in which that balance is played out so this burden is on you philip what's the future the future of interfaces interfaces yes yeah we can restrict ourselves to man made interfaces <laughs> or to yeah yeah i don't know 500 yeah, years out where yeah, it's hard to predict the future and uh, sure, of course and uh, yeah i i think things are evolving fast and uh, things are changing uh, i would i would have a view which is uh, the 
computer interfaces to computers will be very important in, in the future. We, we do think that none of my colleagues can do, which is undo, you know, in computers. And this is, a, <laughs> this is yeah, changing the life, you know. You can do something on the computer and say, well, five minutes afterwards, I want to erase everything and come back to the previous state. I can do that. In real life, we cannot do that. So, so, so the uh, is power... That, is, that, is that an undo button in physical and natural systems? You know. Can you reset to... No. Time t minus anything. No. no. In a strict sense. No. no. In biology, one of the laws of thermodynamics doesn't yeah. allow you. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And this is why also it's really good because as soon as the computer is doing something which is close to reality, you cannot undo. Like like printing. You've been printing. It's gone. <laughs> you cannot scratch the the, the can, toner from the paper you and deprinted. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. This printed is printed. So 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 that, that's a uh, and 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 using these computing capabilities for things we are not used to do. So undo is not human. So so. Uh, so it cannot be natural, and then it's there, it's available, it's great. If you so you just preserve some of the previous computational states, so you can go back to that. Exactly. But if something has already been given effect to exactly. that. Exactly, and the only thing that has been flowing is, is time, that you cannot go back to, but, but it's, yeah, the, rest is, the rest is perfect. I mean, you, you <laughs> type your text, you make a mistake, you erase everything, undo, everything is back. Terrific, so the yeah. rest is perfect. So, so, yeah, so there are a lot of these concepts in computing, and when you will have a way to, uh, to interact with it, that would be very nice, I think, so it might be the future. Thank you. Thanks to all of you for making it and we look forward to having you soon again. Thank, Thank you. you. Take Thank care. You. Thank you. Thank you.